Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Coming to the end of this amazing series, No Matter What. And it's, I, I trust that you've allowed the word and, and if you haven't and you've just picked up snippets, please go back into the word and feast on the no matter what. My prayer is that the, the, the spotlight, the kind of micro, microscope of heaven would speak in and through. We would come under this text and God would speak and challenge us as he calls us to what is a radical, radical story. And, and this book is penned by a radically wild man. He was wild for the opposition of God's people and then encounters Jesus and becomes wild for Jesus in and through the story. And I think there are a couple of challenges that are stark to us in the series. And, and I want to call us just to four challenges that, that stick out to me as I have read the series and, and engage this word and allow the word to come into my heart and, and be a light over my heart. And there are these four challenges. And the first one is this. And it comes out of Philippians 1 where Paul speaks and he says, actually, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And he goes on this little soliloquy and he ends on this story. But he says, actually, I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm going to stay here because you actually need me to be here. It's a radical perspective and it's not a perspective I've heard many times. I don't sit with people and people speak about death with this massive security and unbelievable excitement. Paul was not... He, he wasn't phased about death or life. He says, in death, there's Jesus. In life, there's Jesus. Actually, it's all about Jesus. And he finds his purpose in death and his purpose in life in Jesus. It's unbelievable maturity when you look at the gospel. And part of what we need to be calling ourselves to as we come under the word, and part of what my job and, and those who get the privilege of preaching job is to call you to a life where there isn't insecurity in death and there isn't insecurity in life, there's just Jesus as the purpose of it all. Jesus is the purpose for your job. People, Jesus is the purpose. You have children. Yes, there's fun in making them. There's fun in having them. There's all of that as well. But ultimately, Jesus. I think that's amazing. I think it's an unbelievably high challenge and a great challenge. The second one is in our perspective of life, as we come and we engage life and we engage challenges, maybe even your perspective of someone who was a prostitute for eight years. Maybe there's a perspective that you have around that. God wants to get involved in that and say, actually, the only thing that dictates the pattern for your life and the perspective and your grid for life is Jesus. And he comes in Philippians 2 and he, he, he goes on and he speaks, actually, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ, Jesus the same mindset. He doesn't let us off the hook. It's not as, well, as long as you give and sowing in summer, then actually you can, you can be arrogant, you can be proud, you can be all these things. No, no, no. He's calling us to a gospel where we are called to the same attitude as that of Jesus. It's a challenge, guys. It's a challenge. This series and, and doing a series on Philippians came out of one night when, I, to be brutally honest, I hadn't been very gentle with my wife or very humble. So I couldn't sleep because God doesn't let us sleep when we go to bed like that. And so I thought, well, what do I do? I can go watch TV. I'll read the Bible. I decided to read the Bible, and I decided to read Philippians. And boom, let your gentleness be evident to all. Amen. Not really. I didn't feel that at the time, to be brutally honest. I was like, I don't like that scripture. You don't know my wife. 
<laughs> didn't say that. But, um, but it's kind of this like, but I don't want to be gentle now. I feel justified in not being gentle. We don't get that. Jesus didn't hold back anything. He gave so much. He gave everything that in every part of me, every part, including my sometimes tired, ungentle self, has to be laid down and get nailed to a cross so that Jesus can be exalted. That's the gospel. I'd love to tell you you can hold on to everything that you like about yourself, but I'm telling you everything you like about yourself that isn't in Jesus won't bring glory to Jesus, so let it die so that you can live. It's the high challenge of the gospel. And he presents this. He says, what's the prize? If there was a prize for your life so deep inside your heart that it got put on display, for my little boy at eight years old, it looks like a rugby trophy, a hockey trophy. Uh, but he's going to go on a journey, and I trust the journey will look like one day that prize will be Jesus. And Gabe preached last week and called the church to, to a, a high prizing of Jesus. Actually, in the evening, Tyler preached. But... Um, but a high prizing of Jesus as the prize. What would be exposed if the prize of your heart was put on display? Some days I'd, I'd say, God, Tim Keller says, actually, this heart is an idle factory. One day you get a handle on it, one thing, and the next day another one pops up. And you get a handle on that, and the next day another one pops up. And it'll never stop until I see Jesus face to face. But my journey of maturing in Christ, my journey of becoming like, and the, the slap that is the book of Philippians to my selfishness, is will you prize Jesus above all else? Will you prize a relationship on this side or that side of death with the King of Kings? An eternity with Jesus, a crown of righteousness from Him. And then the last one, he challenged us. He says, where do you draw your power from? Oh, it's my, my upbringing. Now, we'll see, Louise doesn't get that one. She got kicked out. Or maybe it's, no, I came from a good school. Maybe it's, it's I got all these privileges and I got a journey. No, stop smiling. Rondebosch, not a good school. And, um, and it's, it's a great girl's school. Though. And um, the, the, it's, it's, it's not about... What people, what man, what a story can put into you? What strengthens you? Because if it's anything other than a relationship with Jesus, not a knowledge of Jesus, a religion, because all you're doing then is you're holding on like a rock climber for your life. And it's white-knuckled Christianity, and it will always be hard, hard, and it will never be fun. Never. It just won't be fun. And maybe you'll get that pass to heaven, and maybe, but actually, we're meant to enjoy Jesus. My Christian journey, my walk, is what strengthens you, well, a relationship, a plugged-in relationship to Jesus, and nothing less. Look at Paul's life, and I'm flabbergasted, and I'm like, I moan so easily when I look at Paul's life. I, I moan so easily. And this man had such a revelation of Jesus and such a joy in Jesus that he's sitting in prison and he's writing to a church. He's saying, come on, church. And he starts Philippians 4. He says, you two ladies. It's always the ladies fighting in church. He says, it's the ladies. He deals with two ladies. He says, and actually, you help them because the ladies are boxing again, just having fun. Relax. 
But will you draw your strength from Jesus again? Why? Because the mission is great. Because we need more testimonies like that. I can watch that testimony every morning. I want to get that testimony on my laptop so I can watch it day in and day out. Say, Jesus, do it again. Jesus, do it again. Do it again. Because there's this great scripture in Romans 8. It says, what? For I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I'm convinced of that. I don't know many things, and there are many things I know very little about. But I know one thing, that nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. And for that reason, those challenges are the challenge to my life. This preaching gig is tough, because you've got to process that stuff before you say it. And I find this book so challenging. My comfort zones get challenged. My smallness gets challenged. My wanting to hide out, and, 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 and I don't want to give that investment. I don't want to do this. I don't want to love someone again. Paul doesn't let us off the hook. But here's the challenge with a series called No Matter What. The no matter is the easy part. The what's the hard part. See, see, I, I, until you've had lots of money and you've got to now decide whether you're going to honor the taxman or not, you've never struggled with honoring the taxman. Oh, that's easy. There we go. Chav has just traveled overseas for a month. I said to my Chav, you know what? You've never actually faced up to some trials and challenges until you've been on your own in a foreign nation with a company access to restaurants and opportunity. That what has never presented itself before. The no matter what is only tested because there is an enemy, a specialist of the what. He's there, we have an enemy. And he's crude and he's sharp. And he knows the what of my heart that this scripture's got to get into. And got to get so deep down inside that it begins to fashion and shape me again in Jesus every day. See, the what changes all the time. But I want to challenge us just in one scripture. I want to jump to one little scripture in the middle in in, in Philippians 4 as we conclude this series because I think there's something I started out in this series and I stated it right up the front. I said, I have faith that God wants to free people from depression. And we heard a testimony on the Sunday morning a couple weeks ago of a lady who's had depression for 13 years, been on medication and had very many problems from it, been set free just by the grace of God. God wants to do that again and again. And here's the big idea. It comes from Philippians 4, and I want to take five minutes to present that. Is this all right? Let me set my clock. Fiona's agreeing. Helpful fee, thank you. It says, do not rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We love that. We put that on the fridge. Woof! We love that. Let your gentleness to be evident to all. We never put that on the fridge. I've never seen that on a fridge, ever. Never. Just saying. The Lord is near. That's the one you've got to write on the inside of your windscreen when you've got a road rage. The Lord is near. Okay. So do not be anxious about anything. 
40 million people in America have been diagnosed with anxiety challenges. That's 18.1% of the nation. Anxiety is ripping our world apart, and I'm telling you the statistics are not that different in the church. Can't hide away. All we do is we sometimes, we work harder on the masks than the world do. Depression is in the church, guys. It's probably here tonight. But I look at the Bible, and God puts, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. You want to know what petition is? Just read the news. Our nation knows how to petition for what they want. The Bible says you want freedom from anxiety, prayer, and petition. Toy, toy before God. Because he answers petition prayers. It says, but in every situation, it says, present and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul uses these big words like anything and every situation and whatever. And there's this big idea that, that there's no enduring change in life. There's no sin-killing journey with Jesus of sanctification. There's no exalting. There's no meaningful change unless it starts with how we think. And I tell you that because there's this amazing scripture that it, it says, actually, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Christianity doesn't start with, I'm going to church, the walk to church. That's not where it starts and ends. I took my feet to church. Christianity starts and ends with the gospel Getting inside that I worship him with my mind. I love that song. God in my living, there in my breathing, God in my thinking, God in my sleeping. Is God in everything? Because I'm telling you, unless it starts in our thinking and we allow our thinking to become fashioned by the truth. Whatever is true, the world's going to tell you, and you're going to read articles in Cosmo and Men's Health, that truth is relevant to your world and your situation. It's not. Truth is determined by the gospel. Truth is determined by the king on the throne. And the minute you challenge that, you are challenging who he is. And I'm saying, God, I want to come under your authority and allow your truth to get inside. Because on the other side of whatever is true is peace. And in a world where it is riddled by anxiety, in a church that is riddled by anxiety, the freedom is on the other side of, there's a king on his throne, and on, if I worship him and whatever is true, his peace comes. I want peace for you. I want peace for me. I want peace for me. I recently purchased a motorbike, and then I witnessed two accidents. I haven't seen a motorbike accident ever. And then I buy a motorbike, which has been a dream forever, and I see two. You know what starts to get in there? Uh-oh. I said, God, you've got me. In life or death, you've got me. I'm not going to be crazy. I'm not going to be irresponsible, but you've got me. And I don't want to go to bed sleeping like, uh-oh. I've got a wife who's been in pain for three months. And I'm so grateful for her because around our bedroom... And around our bathroom 
are pink and green and yellow post-its with scriptures written on them about the faithfulness of our God. And those scriptures are washing over me. I'm not a naturally anxious person, to be brutally honest. And then God says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you, and you're going to get married. And you're going to learn about overcoming anxiety. And I've got to go on that journey. And you do too. Is this all right? I'm kind of a little bit all over. Just can we put a picture up on, on slide four or five? There's Father Lapsley. And this is a picture of a man who moves from Australia to South Africa to serve this broken nation. He joins the freedom fight, joins the ANC in a journey, and a, pay, he, a, a letter gets delivered to his office. And in one split second, his life has changed forever. As his hands are blown off and one eye is blown out, he loses most of his sight. And that word is, I think that was in 1992 or something, just before, 1990, just before freedom. You know what he does now? He runs a program called Healing of Memories. He invests his life in allowing other people to be freed of the memories and the brokenness of their past so they can walk into their future. How do you do that? Right now, your hands, your eyesight, your functioning, your ability to do the basic essentials of life are gone. How, if not for Jesus? This man knows Jesus. He's an Anglican priest. And I'm saying, Jesus, I want to live a supernatural life. Well, it starts with supernatural thinking. It starts there. It, it, it starts, you know, you know nothing disrupts, and, and part of it is a disciplined thinking. God wants to get into the discipline of our thinking. Do not be anxious about anything. In America right now, 18.1%. Anxiety is just anticipating a future with the worst possible scenario. God wants to set us free, even now. I was going to minister about a few other things. You know, traffic, and I've spoken, actually success, having it or not having it. Your thinking needs to change. The big issue is God says don't be anxious about anything because he's calling us to live victorious Christian lives. And there was a whole bunch of things I wanted to say. But he says this, think about such things. I think an undisciplined mind is the enemy to Christian growth and maturity. And when I read this book of Philippians, God's saying, church, let's toughen up now. Let's count. In tough times, you want to know a book that's written for times like this? Are you praying for America right now? Are you praying that God would orchestrate his kingdom? Are you, are you allowing that? Do you believe that God is still on his throne? And he says, put this into practice. But I just, I didn't, this is the four big challenges. I pray you would hold on to that. But I want to pray for anxiety now. And then we're going to call it there. Honestly, I've struggled to understand my wife's journey sometimes with anxiety. I've struggled to be compassionate. But I haven't experienced what she's experienced. 
I, I haven't. And sometimes as the church, we get so good at putting masks over some of these things that we end up not receiving the healing that we have to.